the ladder of success is never crowded at the top. Chapter 11 Power of the Mastermind The Driving Force The Ninth Step Toward Riches Power is essential for success in the accumulation of money. Plans are useless without sufficient power to turn them into action. This chapter will describe the method by which an individual may attain and apply power. Power may be defined as organized and intelligently directed knowledge. Power, as the term is used here, refers to organized effort sufficient to enable an individual to transmute desire into its monetary equivalent. Organized effort is produced through the coordination of effort of two or more people who work toward a definite end in a spirit of harmony. Power is required to accumulate money. Power is necessary to keep the money after it has been accumulated. How can power be acquired? If power is organized knowledge, let us examine the sources of knowledge. Infinite Intelligence This source of knowledge may be accessed with the aid of creative imagination through the subconscious mind, as described in the previous chapters on faith, autosuggestion, and imagination, and as will be elaborated on in Chapter 13, The Subconscious Mind, and Chapter 14, The Brain. Accumulated Experience the accumulated experience of humanity may be found in any well-equipped public library. An important part of this accumulated experience is taught in public schools and colleges, where it has been classified and organized. Editor's Comment The computer revolution and the Internet have had a profound effect upon the quantity of information available and on the ease of access and ability to organize that information. This is the end of the Editor's Comment. Experiment and Research In the field of science, and in practically every other walk of life, people are gathering, classifying, and organizing new facts daily. This is the source to which you must turn when knowledge is not available through accumulated experience. Here, too, the creative imagination must often be used. Editor's Comment Today, because of the computer revolution and the Internet, Publishing and dissemination of information happens so quickly that there is almost no lag time between experiment or research and the integration of those results into available knowledge. This is the end of the editor's comment. Knowledge may be acquired from any of the foregoing sources. It may be converted into power by organizing it into definite plans and by putting those plans into action. If you examine the three sources of knowledge, you will see how difficult it would be if you had to depend upon just your own efforts to assemble all the knowledge you need and turn it into definite plans of action. If your plans are big and comprehensive, generally you will have to get others to cooperate with you if you are going to organize your knowledge so that you can turn your plans into power. Gaining Power Through the Mastermind the mastermind may be defined as coordination of knowledge and effort in a spirit of harmony between two or more people for the attainment of a definite purpose. No individual may have great power without utilizing the mastermind. In Chapter 8, Organized Planning, 
I commented on how to create plans for translating desire into its monetary equivalent. If you carry out these instructions with persistence and intelligence and use discrimination in choosing your mastermind group, your objective will have been halfway reached even before you begin to recognize it. Editor's Comments In the following section, Hill describes the two kinds of power that an individual can access by assembling a mastermind alliance and working with that group. The first kind of power that he mentions is economic power, which needs no comment from the editors. However, to describe the second kind of power, for want of a better term, Hill uses the term psychic. Because this word has taken on connotations that Hill never intended, this concept deserves clarification before you read on. As is obvious throughout this book, Napoleon Hill was a very practical man. His use of the word psychic in this chapter has nothing to do with seances, fortune-telling, magic, or any other aspect of the paranormal. The word psychic is defined as of or pertaining to the human mind, and Hill uses the term to describe something pertaining to the mind that everyone reading this book has experienced. It is that feeling you get when you are working together with other people. Everyone is very focused on the same goal, and it is going so well that you seem to be in tune with each other. When that happens, you not only work well with the others, but your own work and ideas also seem to be operating on a higher and better plane than usual. This is the end of the editor's comments. So you may better understand the potential power available to you through a properly chosen mastermind group. I will explain the two characteristics of the mastermind principle. One kind of power is economic, and the other, psychic. Economic Power The economic feature is obvious. Economic advantages may be created by any person who surrounds himself with the advice, counsel, and personal cooperation of a group of people who are willing to lend him or her wholehearted aid in a spirit of perfect harmony. This form of cooperative alliance has been the basis of nearly every great fortune. Your understanding of this great truth may definitely determine your financial status. Psychic Power What I refer to as the psychic phase of the mastermind principle is a little more difficult to comprehend. You'll get a better sense of the meaning from this statement. No two minds ever come together without creating a third, invisible, intangible force which may be likened to a third mind. The human mind is a form of energy. When the minds of two people are coordinated in a spirit of harmony, the energy of each mind seems to pick up on the energy of the other mind, which constitutes the psychic phase of the mastermind. The mastermind principle, or rather the economic feature of it, was first called to my attention by Andrew Carnegie. Discovery of this principle was responsible for the choice of my life's work. Mr. Carnegie's mastermind group consisted of a staff of approximately 50 people with whom he surrounded himself for the purpose of manufacturing and marketing steel. He knew little of the technical side of the steel business. His strength was his ability to get others to work together in perfect harmony toward achieving a common goal. Carnegie attributed his entire fortune to the power he accumulated through this mastermind alliance. 
If you analyze the record of anyone who has accumulated a great fortune, and many of those who have accumulated modest fortunes, you will find that they have either consciously or unconsciously employed the mastermind principle. Great power can be accumulated through no other principle. How to Multiply Your Brain Power The human brain may be compared to an electric battery. It is a fact that a group of batteries will provide more energy than a single battery. It is also a fact that the amount of energy provided by each individual battery depends upon the number and capacity of the cells it contains. The brain functions in a similar fashion. Some brains are more efficient than others. A group of brains coordinated or connected in a spirit of harmony will provide more thought energy than a single brain, just as a group of electric batteries will provide more energy than a single battery. Through this metaphor, you can see that the mastermind principle holds the secret of the power wielded by those who surround themselves with others of great brain power. The following will further define the so-called psychic phase of the mastermind principle. When a group of individual minds are coordinated and function in harmony, the increased energy created through that alliance becomes available to every individual mind in the group. Henry Ford began his business career under the handicap of poverty, illiteracy, and ignorance. Within the inconceivably short period of ten years, Mr. Ford mastered these three handicaps, and within twenty-five years, he made himself one of the richest men in America. How did he do it? Here is an important clue. Mr. Ford's most rapid strides became noticeable from the time he became a personal friend of the famed inventor Thomas A. Edison. In the story of Ford's success, this is just the first indication of what the influence of one mind upon another can accomplish. Follow his story further, and you will have even more evidence that power may be produced through friendly alliance of minds. It is a fact that Mr. Ford's most outstanding achievements became even more pronounced later, after he formed the acquaintances of Harvey Firestone, John Burroughs, and Luther Burbank, each a man of great mental capacity. People take on the nature and the habits and the power of thought of those with whom they associate in a spirit of sympathy and harmony. Through his association with Edison, Burbank, Burroughs, and Firestone, Mr. Ford added to his own brain power the intelligence, experience, knowledge, and spiritual forces of these four men. Henry Ford used the mastermind principle in exactly the way it is described in this book. This principle is available to you. I have already mentioned Mahatma Gandhi. Let me review the method by which he attained his stupendous power. It may be explained in a few words. He came by power through inducing over 200 million people to coordinate with mind and body in a spirit of harmony for a definite purpose. In brief, Gandhi accomplished a miracle. For it is a miracle when 200 million people can be induced, not forced, to cooperate in a spirit of harmony. If you doubt that this is a miracle, try to get even two people to cooperate in a spirit of harmony for any length of time. Every person who manages a business knows how difficult it is to get employees to work together in a spirit 
even remotely resembling harmony. Editor's Comments The first step in putting together your Mastermind Alliance is to clearly know your desire. Your desire will tell you what you need. It could be a small group, just two or three people, as was the case with Stephen Jobs and Steve Wozniak when they formed Apple, Bill Gates and Paul Allen launching Microsoft, or Steven Spielberg, Jeffrey Katzenberg, and David Geffen creating DreamWorks SKG. Or it could be a large group, such as the Mastermind Alliance of 30 Regional Directors of Century 21 Real Estate, which founder Arthur Bartlett firmly believes was essential to the company's success. Napoleon Hill suggests that in most cases, it should be a dozen people or less, and generally the smaller the better. Choosing the people means finding those who not only share your vision, but who will also share their ideas, information, and contacts with you. They will let you use the full strength of their experience, training, and knowledge as if it were your own, and they will do it in a spirit of perfect harmony. The question that immediately comes to every reader's mind is, where do I find people who will help me to that degree? Napoleon Hill cannot answer that question for you. But he does tell you what to look for. Where you look is up to you. And if you really do have the desire to succeed, you will start looking and you won't give up until you find the right people. Napoleon Hill's description of the mastermind that appears below is augmented with additional material from articles and speeches he wrote after the publication of Think and Grow Rich. These were compiled for publication by Hill's friend, mentor, and business associate, W. Clement Stone, and appear in two books, Napoleon Hill's Keys to Success and Believe and Achieve. This is the end of the editor's comments. Finding Your Mastermind Members Ally yourself with a group of as many people as you may need in order to assemble a mastermind that will assist you in creating and carrying out your plan or plans for the accumulation of money. Compliance with this instruction is absolutely essential. Choose to associate with people who share common values, goals, and interests, yet who each have a strong desire to contribute to the overall effort. Trial and error will be part of the process, but there are two qualities to keep foremost in your mind. The first is ability to do the job. Do not select people for your alliance merely because you know them and like them. Such people are valuable to you because they improve the quality of your life, but they are not necessarily suited to a mastermind alliance. Your best friend may not be the most knowledgeable marketing professional, but perhaps he or she can introduce you to someone who is. The second quality is the ability to work in a spirit of harmony with others. There must be a complete meeting of minds without any reservations. Personal ambition must be subordinate to the achievement of the purpose of the alliance. This includes your own. You must also insist upon confidentiality. Some people can give away an idea simply because they love to talk. You don't need them in your group. Attune yourself to every member of the group. Try to imagine how you would react in a given situation if you were in his or her shoes. Pay attention to body language. Sometimes facial expressions and movements say far more about what a person feels 
than the words that come out of his or her mouth. Be sensitive to what is not being said. Sometimes what is left out is far more important than what is included. Don't try to force the group along too quickly. Allow for those who want to test ideas by playing devil's advocate. Compensating Your Mastermind Before forming your mastermind alliance, decide what advantages and benefits you may offer the individual members of your group in return for their cooperation. No one will work indefinitely without some form of compensation. No intelligent person should request or expect another to work without adequate compensation. Wealth will obviously have the most appeal to your members. Be fair and generous in your offer. Recognition and self-expression may be just as important as money to some of your members. Remember that in such partnerships, the principle of going the extra mile, doing more and better than paid for, is especially important. As the leader, you should set an example for the others to follow. Each member must agree at the outset on the contribution each will make and on the division of benefits and profits. Otherwise, be assured that dissension will arise, you will have wasted everyone's time, you will ruin friendships, and your venture will be destroyed. Meeting with your mastermind Arrange to meet with the members of your mastermind group at least twice a week, and more often if possible, until you have jointly perfected the necessary plan or plans for the accumulation of money. The first meeting will be involved in sorting out strengths and weaknesses, and in fine-tuning your plans. Your alliance must be active to do any good. Establish specific responsibilities and action steps to be taken. As your mastermind matures and harmony grows among the members, you will find that the meetings create a flow of ideas into every member's mind. Don't let the meetings become so regular and formalized that they inhibit phone calls and other less formal contact. Mastermind Maintenance Maintain perfect harmony between yourself and every member of your mastermind group. If you fail to carry out this instruction to the letter, you may expect to meet with failure. The mastermind principle cannot work where perfect harmony does not prevail. Create a non-threatening environment. Explore all ideas with equal interest and concern for the originator's feelings. Everyone must deal with everyone else on a completely ethical basis. No member should seek unfair advantage at the expense of others. As the leader, you must inspire confidence in your members by your dedication to your desire, which is the object of the group. The members must know with certainty that you are reliable, trustworthy, and loyal. When you are finally ready to present the results of your efforts to investors, buyers, or the public, you may face your greatest leadership challenge in maintaining the harmony of your mastermind. The group's efforts will now be judged by outsiders, and facing judgment takes courage and persistence. The courage of separate individuals is nothing compared with that of a united team. The more you are able to maintain harmony, the greater the power, and the greater the power, the more resistance you can overcome. Marriage and the Mastermind 
A mastermind alliance with the person you love most deeply is of untold importance. If you are married and have not built your relationship on the same principles of harmony that are crucial to any alliance, you may have some reselling to do with your spouse. Set aside time each day to talk about what you want to achieve and how you are going about it. Rely on your definiteness of purpose to build your persuasive abilities to convince your partner of the benefits of the work you are doing. It is very unlikely that your work will not affect your husband or wife in some significant way, and you absolutely must not drag your partner unwillingly into any adventure. Build your mastermind alliance into your marriage from the start, and it will steady and support you through the darkest moments. In fact, your whole family should be incorporated into your alliance. Lack of harmony at home can easily spill over elsewhere. A united family is a great team. The Mastermind and Infinite Intelligence The list of sources from which you can get power is headed by infinite intelligence. When two or more people coordinate in a spirit of harmony and work toward a definite objective, they place themselves in position to absorb power directly from that great universal storehouse that I refer to as infinite intelligence. This is the greatest of all sources of power. It is the source to which geniuses and great leaders turn, whether they may be conscious of the fact or not. In Chapter 13, The Subconscious Mind, and Chapter 14, The Brain, the methods for accessing infinite intelligence will be described in greater detail. This is not a course on religion. Neither the principle of infinite intelligence nor any other principle in this book should be interpreted as interfering with, endorsing, or rejecting any person's religious beliefs. This book is confined exclusively to instructing the reader how to transmute the definite purpose of desire for money into its monetary equivalent. Read, and really think about what you are reading. Soon the entire subject will unfold, and you will see it in perspective. At this point, you are only seeing the detail of the individual chapters. Editor's Comments This chapter would not be complete without commenting on a mastermind that came into being almost 15 years after the first publication of Think and Grow Rich. Napoleon Hill's own mastermind alliance with multimillionaire businessman and philanthropist W. Clement Stone. On May 2, 1951, at the age of 67, Napoleon Hill and his wife Annie Lou agreed it was time for Napoleon to think about retiring. They decided to begin by cutting back on his speaking engagements after he completed the lectures that were already on his calendar including one he was scheduled to give a few weeks later in Chicago. Unbeknownst to them, at that event, W. Clement Stone had prearranged to sit at the head table next to Napoleon Hill. Like Hill, Stone had been born into poverty. At the age of six, he started selling newspapers to help pay the rent, and by 13, he owned his own stand. By 16, he was selling insurance, and by 20, he'd managed to scrape together $100, which he used to start his own insurance agency. Stone was a consummate salesman and motivator, and his company was growing very nicely. Then in 1938 he read Think and Grow Rich, and was so inspired by it 
that he bought a copy for every one of his employees and continued to do so for each new person who joined his company. Over the years, this amounted to thousands of copies. When Stone was introduced to Hill, he told him about all the copies he had purchased of Think and Grow Rich and said that he firmly believed it was Hill's book that had transformed his sales force and turned his company from modest to extraordinary success. Napoleon Hill and W. Clement Stone found that they were in such complete accord that by the end of their first meeting, Hill had decided to postpone his retirement and join with Stone in a venture dedicated to creating a better world for this and future generations. Within a year, they launched Napoleon Hill Associates. They published new books by Hill including How to Raise Your Own Salary and The Master Key to Riches. They reissued Hill's earlier bestsellers, and they co-authored a new bestseller, Success Through a Positive Mental Attitude. They also launched Success Unlimited magazine, created PMA Science of Success home study courses, made television programs, radio shows, a documentary film entitled A New Sound in Paris, which showed the amazing changes that happened when the entire town of Paris, Missouri, adopted the Napoleon Hill philosophy, and they both crisscrossed America speaking, teaching, giving interviews, and spreading the philosophy to as many people as possible. In addition to his work with Napoleon Hill Associates, Hill also consulted to W. Clement Stone's company, Combined Insurance Company of America. Hill designed and implemented a new training program for the sales force, which was so successful he astounded the business world by helping Stone grow his company from $30 million in assets to $100 million in less than 10 years. When W. Clement Stone passed away in 2002, his company, now known as Aon Corporation, had revenues of $2 billion a year. W. Clement Stone had personally given more than $275 million to various charitable and philanthropic organizations. There has perhaps never been a greater example of coordination of knowledge and effort in a spirit of harmony between two or more people for the attainment of a definite purpose. The sheer volume of work and scope of influence achieved in a ten-year period by Napoleon Hill and W. Clement Stone leaves little question as to the power and importance of a mastermind alliance. This is the end of the editor's comments. The Power of Positive Emotions Money is shy and elusive. It must be wooed and won by methods not unlike those used by a determined lover. And the power you use in the wooing of money is not greatly different from what you use to attract the one you love. It is the power of positive emotion. That power, when successfully used in the pursuit of money, must be mixed with faith. It must be mixed with desire. It must be mixed with persistence. It must be applied through a plan, and that plan must be set into action. When money comes in large quantities, it flows to the one who accumulates it as easily as water flows downhill. There exists a great unseen stream of power, which may be compared to a river that flows in two directions. One side flows in one direction, carrying all who get into that side of the stream onward and upward to wealth. The other side flows in the opposite direction, 
carrying all who are unfortunate enough to get into it and can't pull themselves out downward to misery and poverty. Everyone who has accumulated a great fortune has recognized the existence of this stream of life. It consists of one's thinking process. Positive emotions form the side of the stream that carries you to fortune. Negative emotions form the side that carries you down to poverty. This is a point of great importance to the person who is following this book with the object of accumulating a fortune. If you are caught in the side of the stream of power that leads to poverty, this book will serve as an oar by which you may propel yourself over into the other side of the stream. But it can serve you only through application and use. Merely reading and passing judgment on it, either one way or another, will be of no benefit to you. Poverty and riches can change places. But when riches take the place of poverty, the change only happens through well-conceived and carefully executed plans. The same is not true of poverty. Poverty needs no plan. It needs no one to help it because it is bold and ruthless. Riches are shy and timid. They have to be attracted.